0: Welcome to the Field Sales Leadership Guide podcast where we discuss with experienced and successful sales leaders what works and what doesn't in the sales profession. Join us as we tap into high-performing sales leaders and their passion for field sales. We've lined up for you some of the smartest movers and shakers in sales leadership to share their formulas for success and the tricks of the trade. Join us as we pull back the curtain, giving you actionable insights and strategies that you can use with your sales team.
1: Hey everyone, Mary Keough here, head of marketing for Matt My Customers, along with my wonderful co host, JT Rimby, head of sales here. So, today we're going to talk about a topic that I personally love because it's been a part of my marketing journey for the last eight years, and that is what is the actual ROI of a CRM? So as a marketer working in manufacturing and then agency side, I have seen dozens of CRM instances. So mapping and tracking the ROI of these CRM instances is so important to sales leaders. And I can see why you know it's an important part of a salesperson's day to day it's an important part of marketing it's an important part of leadership it just touches so many aspects of the business so when i w- started working for map my customers it was one of the first questions i had on my mind was really how does map my customers add value to outside sales teams as a crm so when i was doing research found out that all the big crms say that anywhere from you'll get anywhere from 2 to thirty x your investment in ROI. And I was like, wow, that's like pretty cool. As I dug deeper, I found out this really only takes into account the customers who succeed using the big CRM, so who are using it well and who can actually track the ROI. Um, and it makes sense because like JT and I always talk about, big CRMs are designed for inside sales teams or teams who are at their computers a lot, so they rely on trackable data points. But as JT knows, coming from Salesforce and now working with outside sales teams at MapMyCustomers, it's very different depending on the type of team you're working with.
0: Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, I think, I think one, of the, one of the big questions anytime you're, you're dealing with a major purchase like a CRM is why spend the money? And anybody that's actually signing for those, those big platforms, they're, they're attempting to guess. Well, if I spend X, it's going to return Y. And so it, it's always funny, like Salesforce, SAP, Oracle, Dynamics, HubSpot, Pega, all, the, the world's largest CRMs, um, they all help the C-suite quantify with, well, if you spend this, you're going to get this. And the go-to-market strategies for Salesforce, SAP, Oracle, Dynamics, again, all the world's largest, is for those sales reps to get their RVPs and their AVPs and their their solutions engineers in with the C-suite and discuss reporting, data, analytics, everything data-related that leadership does value. Data is clearly important, but where the whiff is, is that they never take into account who will actually be responsible for getting the data into the system in the first place. So um, that's where one of the, the great big whiffs come into play. Next thing to consider there as well, like user interviews, user interviews with the outside sales reps specifically, they don't come into play until a systems integrator has already been chosen. And let me back up systems integrator. That's the third party that comes in to actually install the, the CRM platform after you have already signed with Salesforce, SAP, Oracle, HubSpot, dynamics. So that is an entirely different expense to actually deploy the software of which you bought. And if you're starting out having already purchased the CRM and then you're doing user interviews, you end up with nervous ticks from the outside sales reps going this is this is not what I'm after, so you're starting behind the eight ball there.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, JT. And the interesting thing that I found and when I started to dig a little bit deeper is that the ROI specifically for outside sales teams is actually negative. And what JT and I found in some brief research was, you know, despite all these big CRM saying, oh, yep, you're going to get two to 30x your investment, no big deal. Actually, anywhere from 20 to 70% of CRM projects fail at the outset across the board. Yeah. And the reasons that they fail is the reason you just said, there's no end user involvement. And the other two, which I will discuss later on, is also unclear goals or a lack of executive buy-in. And what that means is like you really have a leader at the helm who is pushing for the CRM to be implemented.
0: I want to add one thing. So I'm about 30 months in, two and a half years in with, with Matt my customers. The thing that always makes me chuckle and like maybe shake my head and being a bit dismayed from time to time is the amount of companies that are like, well, we've used Dynamics for the last five years. It hasn't worked for us. So we're going to go to Salesforce. And I'll have that conversation on a Monday. Two days later, I'm having another conversation with a company the very same size going, well, we've had Salesforce for the last five years. hasn't worked for us. We're going to go to to Dynamics. And it's so incestuous where it's like, well, I purchased this one 800-pound gorilla of a CRM, Didn't work. Our reps didn't adopt it. We're going to do the same thing with another 800 pound gorilla for a CRM platform, hoping for a different outcome. So you got to pay attention to, to why that might be in the first place, because dynamics and Salesforce and SAP and Oracle, they can all do the very same things.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that, JT. So let's wrap it up. Let's like get into the meat of this conversation. Um, Because I actually did dig into some research on how MapMyCustomers can actually give you ROI, but it really does matter what your definition of ROI is. So just keep that in the back of your mind. So the three ways that I've seen our customers successfully measure the ROI of MapMyCustomers as a CRM is saving time, driving revenue, and building better or more customer relationships. So those are the three ways. So keep those in your in the back of your mind throughout this conversation. So the first way we're going to start with is save time. And this is one of my favorites, one of JT's favorites too. We've talked about it on the podcast before. And that is speeding up the onboarding process for new reps.
0: So this is actually one of our, our favorite stories here, where we've spoken of this at Nauseam over, over podcasts and um and with our with our customers. You spend so much time recruiting, hiring, training new reps with persona-based conversations and, and product-based training, um, how to get by a gatekeeper. And then after this, this month-long training session to onboard them, you give them a list of accounts, you pat them on the rear end and say, go get them. And they're supposed to engage face-to-face with these customers, leads, and prospects in person, and you've given them a list. So really, you've just given them an exercise in administrative logistics to figure out where the heck all of these accounts are in relation to each other. So I wish I coined this phrase. It's not mine. But we have customers that said we have impacted the speed to first dollar. So speed to first dollar is JT is a new rep in the Raleigh, North Carolina market. And my first commission check has gone from an average of six months down to two and a half months and all of a sudden it's I'm encouraged as a new rep because man I've made an impact and I've had this this taste of victory right out of the gate and therefore I'm 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 even more encouraged and, and motivated to to continue to succeed and you talk about ramping a new rep crushing down that onboarding or ramp time has a dramatic impact on the business
1: heck yeah I love that example that's one of my favorites too JT Um, so I have another one for saving time. How about seeing more accounts in the same amount of time?
0: Yeah, this is, um, I was skeptical of this at first as well. I mean, you take an outside sales rep. Let me me take a step back. When I came from Salesforce and I stepped in to map my customers, I did, I was not familiar with the term windshield time. Furthermore, I, I really did not fully understand how many men and women begin and end their day with the responsibility on their shoulders to go and visit people in a face-to-face manner to educate, build and nurture relationships. Um, And so as I started getting my sea legs with with just the, the understanding of what's on their administrative plate, I started realizing like, if they don't have the right tools, how the heck do they stop? One of my favorite jokes is the salesman Death Star across their territory. So it is um, specifically for our customers that before Matt, My customers they were seeing five or more customers, leads, or prospects a day. We dramatically increase that. So so two stops a day is actually our conservative um, number of additional face to face meetings that we help them not drive by build, nurture relationships. So whether it's in the automotive space, manufacturing space, healthcare with med device, med diagnostics, whether you're a brand new rep or a tenured rep, visually seeing all of your accounts, leads and prospects on the map helps you not drive by them. So um has a dramatic impact there.
1: Yeah, go figure. And one of our favorite customer use cases, uh, Jasper Engines and Transmissions, who... If you have not um, seen it before, go to our YouTube page, check out the video of uh, Joe talking about the sales process, but they had it nailed down like to a T. They knew exactly how many calls per day they were getting, exactly what they should drop off, exactly what kinds of conversations they would have for each person. And even Joe just said, hey, implementing that, my customers, we thought it we thought we had it perfectly optimized the day to day of a rep, and we just increased their um, required call volume by one. So they went from 12 good calls a day to 13.
0: So real quickly on that, they are a very data-driven organization. They have it down to a T of, of, I know that every stop equates to X amount of dollars. And so quantifying, Matt, my customers of five additional stops per week, 10, 10 every two weeks, they're uh, 20, I can't do it, 10, 15, 20, so 20 additional stops a month, 240 a year, um, across 180 sales reps equates to a vast amount of additional revenue. So kudos to Joe for having great processes in place.
1: Yeah. And kudos to you for jumping the gun since we're still on saving time. <laughs> and you're already talking about increasing I totally time. did. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> okay. So last um, customer use case we'll give for saving time is the ability to pre-plan routes and identify obstacles faster.
0: Yeah, this is the Salesman Death Star. I jumped the gun on that one as well, evidently. But um it was it was it was last it was last month now, um, three weeks ago. We're onboarding a new customer, and we found out that one of their reps is affectionately known as Almanac Guy. They call him AG for Almanac guy. He's he's, he's late 50s and he still has like the the skinny sharpies, at least. He's got this thread of multicolors where he circles and stars his physical almanac um aside from being absolutely railed by his team for being the almanac guy he opened up map my customers and went oh my goodness this will save me time because you can pull up not only your existing account base but leads as well of which we i'm jumping the gun again
1: <laughs> that's okay since we're Since we're both just very excited to talk about driving revenue and how we've seen MapMyCustomers customers customers do that, let's uh, jump right into it. So one of our use cases is finding ideal fit leads you never knew existed.
0: Yeah, so um, somewhat of a new customer for us. It's Church Mutual. Um, they've, They've been with us just for about six months now. But within the first week, we had a rep in Tennessee identify a really large organization of which this rep was driving by for years. He's been in the territory for over six years. And he landed a $40,000 deal just like that because he, he didn't know it was there. He didn't know it, was, it, it existed. So um, surfacing those and visualizing those, those are, those are proud moments for us when we get to impact the business like that.
1: Heck yeah. And on the other side of that, JT, you know, Matt, my customers also has the ability to warn a rep. When an account is in jeopardy. So, can you uh, talk a little bit about how you've seen folks use that feature?
0: So, there's there's two in the dental space that, uh, that come to mind with this. And what they do, uh, ironically enough, both of those are connected with Dynamics. The data within Dynamics updates Map My Customers and it'll automatically flag account if the revenue at that specific dental practice drops either year to date or month over month. And it quickly notifies the the rep something's something's off here did uh, did a provider retire and therefore the uh, the equipment needs of that practice drop um did a did a competitor get in there the dental space is cut throat so as soon as you see a pin color change it's letting the rep know oh my gosh, I have to get there quickly so um and you just make it easy to do so
1: cut throat or cut teeth j t
0: ha oh badonch. well done that was really that was good, that was good.
1: okay so. Final example in our drive revenue. You guys have heard a few now. This is one of my personal favorites just because I like the idea of like really like getting in deep with a customer and using data to drive that decision. So talk a little bit about land and expand accounts.
0: This is, this is one that's near and dear to my heart because over the course of my career, historically, sales reps, they get a signature, they get an order, and then they're, they're like a bug to a light. They forget about that one and they, they go to find the next light. So with Land and Expand, we, we call it gateway products. We've got so many customers that have a gateway product. They sell this pen into an account and it was a low cost, easy, easy purchase decision. But I've built a relationship where they buy this pen and now all of a sudden it makes sense for them to buy this notebook and this marker and this highlighter. And so visually highlighting, show me all of my customers that have bought this type of pen in the last 30 days. It's a target-rich environment for them to buy product B within the next 30 days. So it helps me know where to go and who to see very succinctly. As a leader as well, I can pull that up and, and help the reps on my team. These are all your gateway products. These are the products that they should be naturally interested in as well.
1: Yeah. Speaking of the leadership perspective here, I thought of a recent example. I think the product team brought to me, and that was there was a customer who had these two different reps. So they would have a rep who would land one big account. So you said like the moth to flame. So once they sell the big deal, they just move on to the next big deal. Right. So month over month, quarter over quarter, it looked like this rep was doing really well, right? Growing a lot of accounts. Then you'd have rep B and he would sell into an account and get product a in so land and expand and then expand over time so then he would go back and say hey if a is doing well for you let's talk about b and c you know kind of challenging the customer at the same time that they're building and educating and nurturing relationships so what they found is that over time rep b actually made more money for himself and for the company over time because those accounts kept buying the, the products and then when they wanted to expand into similar categories They were the first person they would call. So you have this rep A who looks like he's making just as much money if you're just looking at it month over month, quarter over quarter. But if you look at the accounts over the long term, they're actually making a lot more money for both the rep and the company. So
0: That's one of my favorite stories. And when you think about it from a business risk perspective, I would much rather have the company that has eight different products purchased in in their portfolio than just one giant one. one giant mess up and that customer is gone, right? They're way stickier when they they have multiple product lines committed and um, relationally built there. Great memory.
1: Yeah. Love, love, love that. Um, Okay. Let's talk about, I know this is one of JT's favorite topics. It's one of mine too. So how does MapMyCustomers actually help companies build better and more customer relationships? So the first one, it's kind of similar to the kind of warning flags we were talking about when account gets you know below a certain year-to-date volume, but how to protect your essential customers?
0: We hear it all the time of protecting the base. Um, I, th- I think I first heard that was uh, with a with a med device company a while back. And bottom line, healthcare providers, nurse practitioners, office managers of these these uh, these health practices. They are inundated with innovative products at all times. And there is something that is always vying for their attention. And so you must stay in relational, consistent contact with these practices to protect the base of revenue that is consistently coming in with the relationship that you've built. Um, so nurturing those with cadences, um, specific follow-ups, um, we're where like clockwork. Those providers can say, JT is going to be coming in the door today with consistent value and, and relationships securing activity. Protect the base.
1: Yeah. Love that. Um, okay. So how about this one, JT? You know, I think this is bringing in Jasper again, but I know a, a few other companies have been able to institute a similar model. So that is how do they correlate revenue with customer engagement?
0: So I'm I'm going to give credit with uh back to Joe McDonald on this but he has a he has a saying of what gets measured gets done. I've encouraged Joe over the years to to tweak it slightly to say like yes what get measured what gets measured gets done but Joe only measures what matters. He has zero passion to make somebody log something that does not impact revenue or make that outside sales rep's job easier. So What gets measured gets done, but make sure you're measuring what what matters. So what matters is revenue-producing activities. If you have your processes built out, if you actually know what drives revenue, hold your team accountable to those revenue-producing activities and then make it really easy for them to engage with the technology stack to log that and track that not so that you can micromanage them, but so that you can help them. It actually helps themselves. So revenue producing activities.
1: Yeah. Um, side note, I think I'm going to start um, a new project for marketing called outside sales aphorisms and just steal little <laughs> pithy one-liners that I hear. from, <laughs> from our sales That's sisters. great. Um, <laughs> so their final one, and I'm going to take this one as an example, because I remember it from a previous podcast episode, actually. And this is, more visits doesn't always mean better relationships. We've heard this except when it does. So this was a really interesting use case where healthcare provider had a team of sales reps and unfortunately had, you know, pretty high turnover. He was kind of okay with this. It was just one of the natural consequences of working in the sphere that he was in, but what he was able to do using that my customers is say, look, you are not going to make any money with this account until you visit face-to-face with a decision maker. In this case, it was a physician for at least 10 visits because they just don't know you're serious. Again, high turnover in the space. So if you don't visit them face-to-face 10 times, they're not going to buy from you because they don't trust you. So again, while this could be seen as like a revenue thing, actually it was like, it's truly customer engagement. Like if you are not building a relationship based on education and being helpful to this practice, then they're just not going to purchase from you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's wrap this up, JT. We've talked about the three ways that we've seen customers successfully measure the positive ROI of Not My Customers, and that is by saving time, driving revenue, building more and better customer relationships. So overarching thing get the right CRM for your outside sales team. Please, please, please protect. And what this really means is just protecting your end user. So protecting your sales reps by getting a CRM that's truly valuable for them first and for your leaders second.
0: I I would add on gently with this. I see this all the time. When you're looking at a CRM, you bring in stakeholders from 19 different divisions um, within your company versus saying, Why are we looking at this in the first place? Who benefits the most? And what is the goal? And it's to help your sales reps sell. So if you keep them at the forefront of your mind, you're going to be off to a good start.
1: Yep. And when it comes to measuring the ROI, implementing a CRM, trying to help your reps, really none of it matters actually if you don't have the right mindset. So the way that I've seen this fail so many times is you have an executive who's like, yeah, okay, I just need the data. Or on the flip side, too much data doesn't matter. Like it's just going to confuse my team and it's not going to do anything. At that point, like not only as like, you know, we're a CRM provider, but like as a marketer, I've tried to implement CRMs at companies like that. I've tried to fight the good fight. I have tried my my darndest. And it just doesn't work. You have to have the right mindset in order for this to be successful. Um, and that can really go down to just making a better business case for your reps. So if you're using a CRM to collect be- better data, try your best to communicate with your reps on how this data is really going to help them. So it kind of goes back to protect your end user. And finally, this is one of my favorite ones, because again, I've seen dozens of CRM instances s- like helped other companies select the right CRM for their team And ROI is truly business dependent. So many of these big CRMs are going to convince you or try to convince you that it's dollars in, dollars out. Do not fall for that trap because, you know, I come from manufacturing. A lot of manufacturing companies are steady growth companies. So they're not in the technology space. They're not trying to grow 200 to 1000% X year over year. They're just trying to grow, you know, 8 to 10%, maybe even 3 to 5%. So just, steady growth year over year. So actually top line revenue doesn't matter for them as much as retention. So making sure the right reps are in the right territories and they stay for long periods of time. Territory optimization. So this is a really common one because in manufacturing automotive, you do a lot of account management. So you're just like kind of checking in with your current accounts. And a lot of the questions that you know people in business and data intelligence would ask is like, Do we actually need a rep here? Like most of these customers keep coming back year over year and ordering the product when they need new products. So do we actually need a sales rep? So territory optimization matters. And then finally, product development matters too. So if you're in a space where you're developing a physical product, then you're always looking on how we can improve the product. And helping with getting the right data into a CRM, measuring the ROI that matters, you can say, hey, maybe dollars that we're going into this bucket are actually now going to go into product development. Maybe we can prioritize that over some other initiatives. So again, just want to wrap it up. ROI truly is business dependent. So identify your goals before you decide how you're going to measure that ROI.
0: Yeah, I, I if I if I had any closing parting comments, Mary, I would um, I would remind outside sales leaders, outside sales C-suite executives, specifically for outside reps, ease of use matters. Ease of use drives adoption. Adoption actually delivers the data, and the data is what will help you make informed strategic decisions. But the absolute bedrock of all of that is ease of use for your outside sales reps. And that is what will return all of the investment dollars.
1: Yeah, love it, JT. Awesome conversation, as usual. Thank you all for listening. Please reach out to JT or me on LinkedIn, and we are happy to chat about how you are measuring the ROI of your CRM today.
0: Thanks a bunch. Thanks, Mary.